Pastor Roger Wade is... Man, I tell you, we thought we will end Black History Month celebrating not mm-hmm. just someone from the past, but someone who is doing it now. Yes. Uh, we looked at a particular new concept in, in the way we co- uh, connect with people called a group called Creatives. And so we are mm. today going to be talking to one of our Adventist creatives, or actually two Adventist creatives, uh, two young adults who ha- are taking on a unique way of telling the story about the black church. All right. Ooh. So who are they, Dr. Henry? Listen, we are just blessed to have the what are some of the brightest minds in our church. These are create creative individuals. We have Rafiq, who is a writer, filmmaker, CEO what? of a production company. Yes, sir. An we have Adventist the CEO what? in the house. Hey, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> then we have Joe, Joe, who is a producer, managing director, stage ten media. Listen, we have them on the listen. If you have some young people here today, make sure. Listen, I want you to share, 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 and share because this is the program. Can I bring that them I on? Know they'll Can I bring be them interested on? In it. Bring can them we bring them on? The I can bring them on. Bring them on. Ah, here they go. Here we go. Wait, are we there? There we go. There you go. All right, gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are excited to have you with us today um, as we begin this dive into Let the Church Say, and people are going to get a little understanding of what that's about. But just before we start, we're going to go ahead and ask Dr. Henry to start us off with a word of prayer before we jump in today. Dr. Henry. Let us pray. Father, what a wonderful month you have given us so we can celebrate the achievements of our uh, pioneers and also of those who are here currently that are making a difference in our society. We ask God that this uh, program will be a benefit, Lord, that we will be motivated so that we could do more to spread this gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So Rafiq and Joe, we did not, uh, we didn't read your whole bio. We didn't give the whole, you know, everything. So, so what we do to kind of make up for that is I'm going to give each of you about 49.7 seconds to just say whatever you want to say, tell us to fill in some of those gaps there. I don't know if you just want to shout out grandma or mom or or whoever, or Ray Ray and them, whatever it is you need to do. um, Just go ahead you can begin. We're going to start with Rafiq. The time is yours. Just a shout out. Yeah, um, my name is Rafiq Jordan Abali. I'm the writer and director of Let the Church Say. Um, my mom is from Trelawney, Jamaica. My dad is from Ghana. And um, I just think uh, God has blessed me with a very interesting perspective on uh, race, culture, and religion. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Joe, time is yours, man. You can, you, I, I think R- Rafiq left some time on the table, so you can. Uh... <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> my name is Joe Howell. I am a uh, producer and a, the managing director of my production company called Stage 10 Media. Uh, I have been in the uh, entertainment business for quite some time uh, and an eventist in the entertainment business for over 15 years. And it's been, um, my family goes all the way back to New York. I'm originally from New York, so that's where I knew Pastor Wade from as well. So I'm excited to be here today to talk about this film project that the church said. All right, all right. Roger? Oh, no, Dr. Henry, you begin. Oh, Dr. Oh, yeah, Henry, okay. okay. <laughs> well, let, listen, let's get into it. Look, 
let's start off with the first question. I mean, you're in the entertainment business, and I could imagine in the church there might have been some pushback when you first even mentioned the idea. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? How, how can a church person be in the entertainment business? Talk to us. Wow, that's. I'll start, and Rafiq can probably speak to hit speak to yeah. it as well. Um, I started out, um, well, uh, of course, in the church, uh, in doing music. My mother was the organist for White Plains SDA Church for over 40 years. Uh, and, of course, um, I grew up singing in church. That was, that was it. I sang in groups, went to Oakwood College, sang in school. And um, from there, I realized that um, I had to expand at that time, especially at that time, I expand outside of our circles to learn some of the techniques and skills that I, I thought I needed to be successful in, in entertainment. And so from there, I uh, actually signed on with uh, Polygram Universal as a producer and writer and worked in, in both areas. But one of the things that I found challenging was uh, being a Sabbath keeper meant I had to turn down a lot of opportunities. Hmm. And I had to say, look, I, I can't do this, I can't do that, because if, if it conflicted with my beliefs, I just wasn't going to do it. And so um, it made sense to, of course, form my own production company so that we would have control of the projects Come on now. and the time frames and the schedules that we wanted to do. Wow. Amen. I love it. I love it. Yes. Yes. Rafiq. Tell me yeah, about balance, um, I think man. that was great, Joe. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I grew up as a creative, you know, as a, as a young man, just um, always wanting to create something special. I started off doing music as well, similar to Joe. Um, you know, music producer, kind of just making my own beats and stuff. But eventually I felt like I wanted to upgrade to a higher uh, craft, if you will. So I wanted to do something like filmmaking because I felt like it encompassed many different aspects of the creative world. Um, and what I recognized, because um, I grew up in Hamden, Connecticut, eventually I moved to West Palm Beach, Florida, is that even in filmmaking, there are, you know, dedicated Christians who are staying, you know, true to their values and morals. And all the opportunities that God opened up for me, uh, one of the first sets I ever worked on was for a friend of mine that went to Palm Beach, um, Palm Beach International. And right before he started shooting, we prayed on the set. And I was like, I didn't know you could do that. Wow. But, you know, that that opportunity opened up my mind to see, you know, there is such thing as a combination of creativity and the gospel. And I feel like that's um, a very important place where we can start to spread the gospel and, and uh, get people engaged. Amen. Amen. Wow. Listen, I... You know, I'm listening to uh, your responses, both of your response from this, and I'm like, wow, man, we are we are so blessed to have people like you who are at the forefront, being creative for Jesus. And um, we got some questions here we want to ask you, but I want to just tell all the viewers out there, listen, we praise God for these brothers, man. These are brothers that are out there, creative, spreading the gospel in different ways. Listen, these are, listen, support, we, we got to support you all yeah. the way. Now, listen. We're here talking about this project, right? And we're going to get into that a little deeper. Tell me, um, you have this project out there. What inspired you to, to even create this project that we're going to talk about today? Is the black 
Church Dead. What, what, tell me a little bit about what inspired you to do this. Yeah, um, so uh, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm a person that's very passionate about three things, race, culture, and religion. And I'm always interested to find the connections between those two things and those three things and ask questions about why we do the things we do, right? Um, and I remember that the idea for this project came about actually when I was in church. I was in Atlanta Berean SDA Church more than a year ago now. And uh, there was a young lady who came up to the stage to sing for special music. And in the middle of the song, she started to break down and, and cry. And I just remember a wave of support and encouragement come from what seemed like the entire congregation. You hear people saying, it's all right, and go on. And yes, I felt like <laughs> even, the, <laughs> even though not all of us knew exactly uh, what was going on in her life, I felt like we all knew why she was crying in the sense of we all have been in that place of overwhelming gratitude and, you know, dealing with sorrow and that bringing you to a place of praise. And in that moment, it made me think, one, I, I love black people. <laughs> I love church. I love the way we praise. I love the way we worship. But it also made me think, what is the connection there? You know, how does church, the church experience influence the way we treat each other outside of the church? How has the church, something that's been here for years, um, impact in our entire society and African-American culture? So that set me on a rabbit hole to just doing a lot of research. And in the midst of that, there were some serious questions that came up as well, like, you know, the, church, uh, the church's current state and, and things like social justice and the pandemic and um, and poverty and all of those things. And one of those questions was, is the black church dead? Um, hmm. And that kind of came about, um, it's not, I'm not the first one to ask that question, right? Um, there's, there's different articles and, and, you know, conversations that people have had, but I do feel like in some of the personal conversations I've had, um, there seems to be a subconscious thought of people feeling like there's something wrong with the church, that we could be doing more, that we could be getting more involved. So that kind of sent me on this journey to, all right, well, what can we be doing? What is our role in the things that plague society? And um, how, how can we grow for the future? Mm. Yeah, I, I wonder, Dr. Henry, it almost feels like we're, we're being a little uh, uh, clandestine here when it comes to, we've said the project, uh, how did you come up? But we haven't really kind of said exactly, I think our, yeah. our audience might be guessing, yeah. what is it? What is, what is the project? What yeah. are we talking about? Um, so, right. so when we, they saw in the title yeah. screen, let the church say, they've heard us ask the question, is the black church dead? They know that you're in the film industry. What is it that we're talking about, gentlemen? What, what is the, what's the project? What is it? Just mm -hmm. break that open for us. Yeah, give us the what, right? <laughs> give what. us the what. Yeah. So the what of this, uh, and that's a great question to uh, actually kind of take a, a broader scope to it. Um, the, the project is actually a, uh, a documentary film. And uh, when we look at the mediums to communicate to our audience or people who want to learn more about a particular subject, 
the documentary is the best route to go. And so uh, Rafiq had called me up and he said, hey, Joe, you know, we've worked together before. We said, Joe, um, I've got this great idea. The Lord is speaking to me. And I got it right away. I, I understood it right away. Being someone who grew up in the black church myself, uh, both of us grew up in the black church. So I got it right away. And I said, well, look, let's let's start looking at um, how we can create this documentary, which would chronicle um, the questions that uh, were being asked. Like you said, like Rafiq said, not only by our church denomination, but other denominations. So this particular documentary film uh, is goes very broad in, ter- in terms of who we're speaking to and um, the audience that we want to reach. And so uh, it, right now it's, uh, it's in production. Right now we've done our principal photography and we're in uh, post-production that right now, editing the final version of the film uh, that will be uh, released a little later. Wow. So, so I got to throw this out there again, and I, my apologies. Um, but so some of us, many of us have just seen a, a similar documentary on uh, the black church that was at PBS. Uh, PBS just put out. Fascinating. I've watched like the first one, almost through the first one at this point. Um, so it's basically something like that, right? That now, now the, you're you're gonna be it's in post production. So this is gonna be distributed in the Adventist book centers at camp meetings and that kind of stuff. What what are we looking at? Where where how, how are we trying to get this out? Who are we trying to get this out to? Well, we're we're trying to get it out to a, a broad the broadest audience possible. Um, so uh, Gates, who produced the other project. Um, that's on PBS is um, currently completed his project. And we didn't find out about that project until we were well into our filming. So for the most part, we did see a, an overlap in our production schedule and what we found out that PBS was putting out this project. Uh, but there is a difference um, in the project. I think, um, and Rafi can speak a little bit more to the differences um, we're focusing a little bit more on all aspects of the church itself in terms of the, uh, how it affects our culture, uh, how it affects our music, how it affects, um, like, like you mentioned, social justice, how it affects our lifestyle. And um, our goal is to actually um, do a much larger, broader series of multiple episodes that are going to be ongoing and broadcast oh, wow. um, through uh, major outlets. So we're already speaking to um, or, or looking at which outlets we can look at in terms of broadcasting this final version of the, uh, of the short film and the potential series. And of course, um, we certainly want to make it available to everyone, not just our Adventist distribution centers, but if it, if it, if it can get to Hulu or if it can get to BET or if it can get to uh, Netflix, right uh, that's great. So we have a lot of work to do there to work on those aspects, but... We have high, uh, high, high aspirations, and we've already gotten some really good feedback that we will be able to reach those distribution outlets. Awesome, awesome. I think it's going to be an exciting documentary, definitely exciting. Uh, so let me, let me ask a, a question on this. So when is uh, this project set to be released? I think, you said, I think you said it, but I just want to make sure I'm hearing right. When are you going to release it? When do you think that date will be? So... Uh, I'll take that one, Joe. Yeah, we, we're planning on releasing it sometime this year. Right now, we're in the post-production process. And uh, our perspective, <coughs> where it's going right now, is should it should be done by the end of March. So 
hopefully we can start broadcasting and getting out, I would say, as early as summer. Um, but, you know, there are some different technical things that, that affect that. So, so Rafiq, they, um, Joe mentioned that there were some differences in what Gates did and what you're doing. Um, after looking at what Gates did on, on the PBS program, I thought it was, it, I thought it was well, it, it did well. Matter of fact, um, what we heard from Dr. Rock last week actually informed me in what I was seeing in Gates' um, Gates's rendition of the Black Church. So I was like, wow, look how that fit together. Um, and I haven't seen your project yet. We are looking forward to, to, to viewing it. But what was some of the what what was what would you say would be some of the differences between what what Gates did and how he he treated uh, the the subject and what you're planning to do? Yeah, um, I want to start off by by saying I think it's awesome that this story is even being brought to the yes. forefront at this time, and the fact that. You know, both Gates and I are in a position where we want to uplift unsung heroes like the black church and how it's affected African-American community. Um, where I think there's differences between us um, is one of them, I'm not an academic, right? So my perspective as a filmmaker is to tell a compelling story. And I'm coming at it from a perspective that might have more of a youthful perspective. Obviously, I mean, I don't want to guess his age, but there's several decades between me and uh, uh, <laughs> Gates. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to make this as, as youthful and as real as possible because this, this film started, um, you know, centered on my personal perspective and the film does follow my perspective as a church member who is mm -hmm. analyzing and learning more about the black church. And I'm sure there's a lot of individuals like me who are my age, who have questions. And I really want for people to watch this film and see themselves, see uh, uh, whether you're inside the church or not. We, we interviewed several people who are activists. Some of them are, are gospel artists or pastors. Some people that you would probably never hear from otherwise. These individuals have a very unique perspective and a very powerful voice. And I think what we're going to do is tell the story from a perspective that is going to engage uh, a different audience. And I think that's really important. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I listen, as you're explaining the direction that you're going, you know, I'm excited about it because when I was watching uh, the PBS series, um, I was listening to John Legend, who mentioned that, you know, he is spiritual, but he did also mention in his conversation with Gates that um, it, it appears, he didn't say in these words, but that the church is now, I want to say irrelevant, but it's not speaking towards the social issues like it used to. Yeah. So getting more um, information on that from the, the maybe even younger generations on their perspective of the church, seeing even these other artists that are out there, their perspective on the church and how the church has shaped them uh, would be very interesting. And I believe that your documentary, without knowing exactly what's, you don't even have me on your committee, man. Let me get on the committee. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was sitting there thinking, man, can I get a cameo? Can I get a walk by in the background? Something. I walked the dog. <laughs> it's in post production. Y'all too late. <laughs> yeah, you can do stuff in post. You can add stuff in post. We <laughs> We can, we can Photoshop you in. There you go. <laughs> there you go. 
my best side, right? No, but 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 what I'm thinking though is that with your documentary, I think where your project will go, where Gates and Gates, it was a fabulous job they did. I mean, they even talked a little bit about how the the black church impacted politics, but they didn't go really into it. They didn't really talk about like the Jimmy Carter and you know Ronald Reagan and all those other things. You know, how did the black church really you know impacted the politics? But I think with your documentary and I'm looking forward to it, it's going to motivate people. It's gonna motivate those individuals, my, I, you know, I'm hoping, that are not engaged in church, to be engaged in church uh -huh. and make it relevant. Let's make it relevant. Let the church speak to social issues yeah. like Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's do that. So just excited about it. Can yeah, I come on that really quick? Because I think that was so important what you just said. And that was part of the reason why we named it Let the Church Say. Right, we, we see it as a call to action. I think sometimes when we go through Black History Month or we look at the Civil Rights Movement or anything like that, we start to, um, what's the word, make icons of you know Martin Luther King and things like these, uh, these other individuals as if they weren't ordinary people as well. As if we as ordinary church members can't make a large impact on our society as well. And I think that's part of what we're trying to do with Let the Church Say. Get everyone involved in, in bringing the gospel to the world. Hey, listen, yeah. the, two, the two of y'all yeah. uh, represent some of the younger, relevant minds that we have in our church. And I think Dr. Henry said it great, that the voice that we will hear from your project will, be, will help us to look at it from a more relevant perspective. Uh, my my quick question to you here is: um, Do you do you feel that the subject matter is relevant? Do you feel that the subject matter is relevant to people like you? Okay, <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, I definitely feel like this is something that um, we we need to hear from and uh, hear hear about. Um, so the subject matters um, is so broad that we realize that it's uh, very difficult to cover every aspect of it in even a documentary a film or even in the two-part series that Dr. Um, Gates is doing. Um, so our goal is actually to expand it to a series um, that would allow us to go in detail into each of the aspects that affect um, our church. Um, number one, someone I saw a question pop up on the screen about is this just about the Adventist church? And it's, it's, um, it's more than just the Adventist church. It is the church uh, at, at large, uh, the black church at large. And then, of course, we speak to denominations. So denominationally, there is a lot of questions around that as well. So are, are different denominations experiencing different um, uh, impacts to whether the church is touching the society uh, and the young people that are uh, uh, that they would like to reach, and then we went to people. We talked to people who don't go to church, you know, regularly. We want to hear from them too. Is that something that you know? What is the church to you? You don't mm. you don't go regularly. What does it mean? But they may be they may still be active in social uh, justice. They may be still active in their community, but they may have found other outlets for that. So there's a lot there. It goes really really deep. Um, and as Rafiq mentioned. The title allows us to go into many, many different areas of what the church uh, is saying at this time and the relevancy to our society now. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, in, and, and, and it pertains to that, that, that comment or that question that you just addressed, Joe. I thought it was interesting in, um, in Gates' uh, documentary that he brought out that in that early American uh, church or, or religious setting, that it was the Methodist church that was, many of them were at the forefront of the abolitionist movement and in the evangelical movement that was moving towards bringing Christianity to, to, to the slaves. It is also interesting to note that when you study the development and the early Adventist pioneers, that the majority of them were Methodists. They came out of that Methodist right. tradition. And so when you look at the development of the early Adventist church, although you may not see primary figures that were black at the very beginning, keep in mind, these were the early Adventist pioneers were social, I'm going to say it, social justice warriors. They were steeped and thick in the abolitionist movement at the time. And so this Adventist church, should it appeal to black? Yes. I mean, that that was the you know part of the draw is that people were saying, hey, here are some people that with this Christianity stuff, they are concerned about some real world stuff. And, and it's and it, they weren't just saying that these are the people in that movement that are concerned about real world stuff that's affecting me. They were able to go to scripture and say, not only are we concerned, we're concerned because God is concerned about the stuff that's okay. happening in the world right now at this time. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. let, let me just add this to uh, Pastor Paul. You know, the book Protest and Progress. I, I mean, if, if the people on the line right now, if you don't have it, you need to get it. But it mentions um, the church on how we were very active, you know, in the community, but then there was a shift that took place mm-hmm. and a shift so that even those who marched um, there to hear the I have a dream speech were criticized mm-hmm. by the church. And so yeah. we need to shift that thing back. <laughs> right. We got to shift it back to where we started. And that was addressing social issues. If a church does not address social issues, then the question I have, is that church relevant? So um, so your project, powerful. I think you have a clip. Are we ready for that clip, Raj? I think we're ready for the clip. Are we ready? We, we, we could start with the first clip, yeah. Let's start with the first clip. Yeah, let's right. set that first clip up. Here we go. I believe the church in regards to having the voice of morality for the black community and the racial tension in America. I believe they still have it, but it's not amplified. Shut it down! If we don't get it, shut it down! Black Lives Matter, that movement, is amplified. Until we get it, shut it down! If you're talking about the 50s, yes, the church had it. Now it's, it's, it's weakened because as a church, we're not supposed to talk about social issues. Despite what the state says about separation between state and, 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 and church, we're supposed to talk about that because Jesus himself was an activist. Wow. Nice. Jesus was an activist. So Rafiq, as you as you were pulling these 
images together, and as you were you were setting out, you, you wrote you wrote pretty much the script as to what the the project is going to end up. Um, yeah. You you asked a question which we kind of brushed over, and and one of our viewers did ask this question: Is the black church dead? Did you get an answer to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I believe I'm still <laughs> in the process of of getting a clear answer to that question, but. I think if anything, what I've learned, um, the black church isn't just one monolithic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are churches that are very much vibrant and doing um, a great work, and there are some that are, could be doing more. I, yeah. I want to add to that. Um, we, we got so many different um, types of answers to the question. Uh, because we, uh, and I want to share a little bit of who we interviewed that would give you an idea of the type of answers that we got. We were fortunate to get the uh, Reverend Dr. Fry Brown, who is the, um, uh, the professor of religion at Emory University here in Atlanta, very well respected. We also spoke to um, uh, Dr. Rose of the NAACP and um, Chris Bruce of the ACLU, uh, so we covered a lot of different aspects of who we spoke to, in addition to speaking to the entertainers um, from their perspective in the church, um, that allowed us to get a wide scope of answers to that question. And that's what we're excited to share with uh, the, the answers to the, to, the, to the question, and not only the answer to the question, but why they feel it's, uh, it, it's relevant to today. So um, it's, it's been a great journey to... Uh, speak to uh, the number of interviewees that we talked to over 20. And then, of course, um, speaking to um, uh, pastors who can give us that perspective as well. So it's been a great information. And we're excited about even the next chapter of this and expanding the conversation to a broader group of interviewees. Yeah, I was looking at this comment. It says, yes, even though I'm glad you're addressing this is from Yvette. Um, addressing this issue, I think it depends on the individual church. Some churches are more involved than others, and we go outside the walls of the church. They are involved... Uh-oh, went away. Come back. They are involved in the peaceful demonstrations. We are out there, but admittedly slowed down by this pandemic. So I think that was in response to, is the black church dead? And shes it sounds like she's saying... which black church is it this one over here or is it this one over here um and that and that might be a very interesting thing to to discover as well when we say the black church we we know there's no organization that is the black church it's multi-denominational each within its own in its own niche and yet in spite of that in the early particularly during the civil rights movement there was this thing, it seemed, where people thought of, it didn't matter if it was a black Catholic church or a black Baptist church or a black Pentecostal church, that everybody kind of, all of those black churches were, were on the same page when it came to pursuing, and if not all of them, and at least most of them, on the same page when it came to pursuing equity, when it came to pursuing advancement in the black community. Um, does there seem, from what you have uh, picked up in, in, your, in, your, in your shooting and in your interviews, does it seem that the black church 
still has that any anything any central thing that the black church can unify around today like they may have we may have in the past yes yeah, so i'll i'll, ahead, I'll start and then I'll, I'll turn it over to rafi but uh one of the things that uh, I'll, I'll i'll give two answers to the question one specifically around our adventures church uh, the shirt i'm wearing uh, right now is called i am and uh, here in atlanta um, the uh, pastors of the South Atlantic Conference got together, some of the pastors, and said, you know, we probably need to uh, speak up to what we feel is going on, especially with um, what was happening uh, in Atlanta at the time. And so we got together as at, at West End Church, was one of our meeting points. And throughout the month of June, um, the uh, uh, pastors from the conference came together with the men of the conference we had these shirts printed up, and we went out into the community and uh, were part of the peaceful um, conversations that were going on. And that happened for four weeks um, in the uh, month of June. And that was directly speaking to our Adventist church in, uh, in our area. Now, of course, there are bigger, broader conversations going on. And I think last year was probably a pivotal point for black churches to uh, step up and say, what is happening? Because you had other organizations like Black Lives Matter is one that were coming to the community and responding to the call for uh, at least what was happening in social justice. So um, those things have not stopped. We have not seen um, uh, a total shift in the activities that go around our, in our black community, they're still there. There is a political shift um, when you look at what's happened with the presidential race, but our community still needs that support. So I think it's very important to say, okay, yes, we saw a little spike in what was happening with social justice in 20, uh, 2020, but there's still uh, many areas for us to rally around in 2021. And then other areas around what we can do uh, from a day-to-day perspective um, in, our, uh, in our churches and for the needs of those in our community that are outside of social justice needs. All right, good. Rafiq, anything? Rafiq? Yeah, and uh, to comment on what you said, um, as, far, as far as, you know, that unity, right? Um, I heard someone say that suffering brings solidarity. And I think as we go back through history, um, I I don't think it's deniable that black people have suffered here in America. And I think there was times where for a lot of people it was universal. And I, I believe that created a lot of solidarity amongst individuals and amongst churches because we were all experiencing something that we felt like we either needed to do something about or we needed to seek God for. I believe that because of the results of the civil rights movement and black people receiving more freedom in different areas, in, in some ways we've become kind of disjointed and I'm paraphrasing because these are not my original thoughts, but, you know, people have different perspectives. You know, mm-hmm. some people who are black don't feel like they're being persecuted, don't feel like they're being oppressed, don't feel like uh, black people are suffering all at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we can rally around is the gospel. 
I heard a pastor say once, churches should be at the forefront of every social issue because unlike uh, maybe the world or other people, we believe that every individual was made in the image of God. And that belief is enough to rally us to all rally around and get out there and do work within the community to bless other people. So to answer your question, I think that that is it. If you're part of the black church, that usually means that you're of African descent and that you hold to Christianity, right? Well, Christianity preaches helping the least of these. And I think that's what we can rally around. Yeah, that, that's so interesting wow. because I think so much wow. of, 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 and you can, you can Google black church on or, or on YouTube and, and see this, this con- condescension towards the black church because there are many who feel outside of having that single rallying point, the black church has turned into who can get their best hoop on, um, uh, which pastor, you know, it can get the biggest jet or, or the nicest car or, or whatever. And so it's, 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 it's moved from a social gospel to a social financial type of uh, uh, mechanism to simply make money. And so people have thought yeah. that the black church has lost its power. It's lost its impact because the black community looks at the black church as simply a farce. It's just a whole bunch of hooping and hollering um, full of what is it? What's, what's the old English uh, author say? Um, sound and fury signifying nothing. Um, and so you've got you've got a whole lot of people in the black community who just have no respect and no trust for the black church because of what in their mindset the black church has become. And perhaps it's because, as you stated, Rafiq, maybe we've stepped away too far from simply the proclamation of the gospel, including its social aspects. I was, as you were talking about, right, Paul, I was... I was- I was thinking about um, that series again that Gates produced and they talked about Pastor Ike. <laughs> he was talking about money, 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 money and the prosperity doctrine. So you're exactly right that uh, a lot of people are turned off by that. By the way, before we, before you speak on and respond to this, Rafiq, we just want to let our, vis- our, vis- our listening audience know and our viewing audience know that we are talking with some of the greatest minds here in the church. We're talking with these creators about their prosperity Project. Let's church. Let's let the church say. Let the church say. And there's some awesome principles that are coming from this. And you definitely want to support these gentlemen as they continue with uh, this project. It's going to be out. And when it comes out, we gotta really rally behind them and support it. Okay, Rafiq, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna add. Uh, there's also a lot of smaller storefront churches that unfortunately don't get the the big media and you know mainstream attention these smaller churches that are held out of a a small space or maybe somebody's home where it's not about the money or 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 anything like that it's literally about just being the hands and feet of jesus and i i feel like a project like this emphasizes uh those unsung heroes uh as well as um has a serious conversation about the churches that are in the mainstream. Oh man, there's some there's some, there's some hot I'm comments going on yeah. in the chat, man. I, I'm looking at that. Hey, we need Rafiq and and Joel to address that, man. 
But listen, let, let me let me switch let me switch the conversation just a little bit here. Um, I called y'all creatives. Uh, that's the new term that uh, um, some of us in the leadership of the Adventist Church, in particular, um, want to say to our young adults: they are creatives. Creatives are those who create things. Uh, you are filmmakers. There are those who uh, create poetry, those who create music, things like that. But there are some creatives who are listening today or that will listen. What is the process to bring an idea like this, like what you have, to reality? What, what You know, you talked about having a dream. I mean, Joe, Joe articulate the fact that he wanted to be in the business, couldn't really get in there because of the Sabbath and decided to create his own um, his own production company Rafik you you were in, 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 you you were excited about just telling the story making it making it come alive what is the process to bring an idea to reality uh, to these creatives that we hear today Either yeah um, I'll start Joe and maybe um, you can hop in uh, I think one of the th first things is you can't do it by yourself I think that is mm, wow. so important um, I reached out to Joe because I met him at West End SDA Church, and we talked briefly about, you know, both being interested in film. And I realized this was not a story that I could tell without him. And as we went on, we continued to connect with other people who had different perspectives and, and different uh, skill sets, and that helped us bring this project to life. So uh, to answer your question as far as, like, you know, what is the process like, I mean, it, it takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of trust. I have to trust that the people that God have brought, has brought into my life um, care about this project as much as I do and that we're all working towards the same goal. Um, and I think it also, it just takes uh, determination and, and a lot of, uh, what's the word? dedication I'm looking for. Mm. Um, I think especially we, we filmed this entire project during the pandemic, right? Mm. Um, so that made things very difficult as far as, you know, uh, safety procedures and all that. We had to limit our crew size. Um, and it was a lot of obstacles that we had to overcome. Um, but what it all came back to is trusting the fact that God gave us something that was important. Um, and he has been faithful throughout this entire process. And I, I feel like um, it, it was incredible because of Yeah, I'll just add a little bit to that. Um, but what Rafiq said is, is right spot on. One of the things that um, I would uh, advise young creatives and people who are interested in the creative space is to be good at your craft. Um, when Rafiq yeah. called me about this project, it was a no-brainer for me because he's a really good writer and a really good director and cinematographer. So it made sense for me to say, wow, I, I definitely want to work with, with Rafiq because he's good at what he's do he does. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So young creatives who are, whether it's music, whether it's poetry, whether it's photography, whether it's filmmaking, or whether it's any creative art or, art or, or um, drawing, um, focus on being very good at that because that's going to get you to the next yeah. level. Um, it's important to also let our young people know that there are opportunities within the church. One of the reasons why I had to kind of go, I want to say outside the church at that time, this is 20 years ago, was because there wasn't many opportunities within the church. So I was able to work with um, you know, other organizations um, and, and did well with that. I was successful, it did, did very well. 
um, in, in those spaces, but also realize that we need to foster our young people, provide opportunities for them so that they don't feel that they're, they're stifled. And that's, one, that's very important, Pastor Wade, that we let the young people know that there's opportunities for them to be creative within the church and they can be successful with um, and still be Christ-like and following Christ in their, in their efforts. So, so, so you talked about you talked about being good at your craft. What are some of the things? Uh, what what training did you all take to 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 get to this point? Is did you go to film school, Rafiq? Uh, Joe, was there was there something special you went to to get to this point? What 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 was it that prepared you, trained you to 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 be good at your craft? YouTube, university. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did go to film school. Um, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design and. Um, it was a great experience for me. Just, uh, I, th- I think there's something really powerful about being in a room of other creatives. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing learn is that you're not the most creative in the world. And I feel like sometimes as creatives, uh, we feel that we feel like, oh, I've got an idea and it's better than anybody else's idea. Um, but you step into a room with other creatives and you realize that everyone has something special. And um, really what they teach you in film school is, is how to stick to it, how to bring your vision to reality. Um, so that was kind of my process of getting um, ready, going to film school um, and studying that way. And uh, as well, you mentioned YouTube. YouTube is such a great teacher in this day and age, just, just about anything that you can learn. I know filmmakers who never went to film school, but literally watched everything that they learned on YouTube and have gone on to have successful careers. Oh, so YouTube University is real. <laughs> it's, it's real. It's real. <laughs> I, went to, I went to school for technology. Um, so that's where I started out my, uh, my time in technology. And I started doing internships. Uh, one of the things that I came up with yeah. is, um, is actually just going out and doing it. My first internship was with a, uh, a, a production studio um, in uh, New York City, um, and of course, working with studios like the Hit Factory, um, Sony Studios, and um, uh, many different recording studios in New York City. Uh, and actually, I even interned at a at a studio in Huntsville, Alabama, um, uh, when I first was going to school there, and learned a lot during that time frame. And those internships turned into working in the industry Um, and working in the industry, uh, of course, doing it is very important um, in terms of getting your skill right, because you have to bring uh, a certain level of excellence to be considered a professional. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who um, want to do it, but they don't have, uh, unfortunately, have not taken the time to hone that craft, whether that be doing it in the field or going to school for it it's very important to uh, focus on that. So that's how I got my start in working and doing internships. Um, and so I'm the, I'm the filmmaker who goes, I'm the no film school filmmaker. Rafiq is the film school <laughs> film school maker. Uh, and then I think we bring a different uh, aspect to the filmmaking process. I, I would imagine that um, seeing that we went into the pandemic and a lot of our churches went online, we have a lot of budding filmmakers because there are a lot of people who became cameramen and camera women uh, to help bring churches online. So that's that's exciting to know. But let me let me let me hone this into the Adventist Church. Um, does the Adventist Church, the Seventh Day Adventist Church, 
provide opportunities. You kind of alluded to this for creative to produce projects such as Let the Church Say. Yes, I could. Uh, I, I think there's so many opportunities to the point, uh, even what you mentioned there in our church, in our churches. Um, and this pandemic is going to create a lot of opportunities for creatives to come in and do um, work on shows like this show um, and behind the scenes uh, in terms of crew, in terms of staff. Uh, this show uh, is awesome because this is giving young people an, an understanding of there's so many uh, opportunities within the church structure to, to get our message out. Um, and churches, um, I'm seeing a shift in churches when I, we, um, without getting into the details of it, when my, uh, my church uh, started to do the um, production, we realized that we had to invest in equipment. And the church, um, the pastor understood, okay, well, look, in order for the young people to participate in the ministry of the church from a media perspective, on the media teams, we have to provide them with the resources and equipment that is important to do that. And so churches and pastors, if they're pastors who are listening, invest in the young people in terms of where the ministry will go um, to expand it. One thing that we learned in this process while the pandemic was going on was that churches are expanding outside the walls now. I mean, it's no longer the, the structure anymore. And it happened simultaneously. When we were filming about the project, we also saw that churches were expanding outside the walls. So as an example, one of the church, um, one of the interviewees said, hey, look, my church was a small church of about maybe 500, but because of the pandemic, now they're reaching five, six, 7,000 um, because they're not limited to how many they could be uh, sitting, sitting in the church. So this, all that to say, there's so many opportunities for young people to understand how to uh, work with those ministries or take, create their own idea, come up with something unique and different as a creative that would say, this is an idea that I was thinking about that nobody else has done or something I really want to do and find the uh, tools to do it, um, to get a ministry out or get their idea out. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, Joe, um, I have to do a shout out to Pastor Stephen Stewart. Uh, he used to be a pastor of First SCA Church of West Palm Beach. He was a great support for me um, as a young filmmaker. Um, they invested in, uh, like you said, Joe, equipment, and he would let me use it to, to create. Um, you know, I did a couple of videos for them, whether it was, you know, doing a video for Mother's Day or Father's Day, you know, uh, introduction pastor's video, things like that helped inspire me to keep going and helped me to grow as a creative. And I also have to mention, uh, I went to a filmmaking, a seven-day Adventist filmmaking conference once. It's called Sunscreen, Sunscreen Ignite. And I don't know if they're still doing it, but they used to hold it in Orlando. Um, a friend of mine at the church uh, told me about it. I went for, they had like a two-day retreat, and it was fantastic. Um, there was so much that uh, information that they gave us there on how to engage an audience, how to use filmmaking in our local churches. And um, I feel like different uh, things like that actually help us to grow as, as Adventist filmmakers. 
Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And I just want to want to reemphasize that a lot of times our young people and even our own people feel like the Seventh-day Adventist Church isn't doing anything for creatives mm -hmm. or for our young people. And, and I, many of us could co-sign and say we, we might not be doing enough or as much as we could be. But there is stuff. Sunscreen has existed for decades now, you know, prior mm -hmm. to, I guess, yeah. this, this COVID thing. Um, and they used to do it out on the West Coast. I know they used to do it up in um, up in the Maryland area, I think, is it began with. Um, I think yes. it was a classmate of ours that, that helped uh, uh, stay. Was that Stacia? Stacia Doolin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Stacia. Um, so shout out to, to that vision and that, that foresight with that. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Dr. Henry, I, it looked like I cut you off for a second there. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just taking it all in. But listen, don't, don't we have another clip? I think we got to show that oh, other right. clip. We showed one, but there's one more we got to show. So okay, set, yeah. set that clip up for us. This yes. is, I think, uh, Darlene McCoy. Tell us what 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 was going on in the you know the way you you presented that. Oh yeah, I can take that one. Um, yes, Darlene McCoy. I have been a fan of hers for many many years. Uh, she is a, an award winning um, gospel singer. And um, one of the things we realized in this was um, in the filmmaking process, you want to interview people that people want to see. To be honest, we want to make sure that we get really good speakers and people who have um, are able to um, address the audience properly. Um, when you look at a professional film, you want to have people who are professional in the film. Uh, so Darlene McCoy was one of our great interviewees. She was awesome, very, very gracious. And we wanted to ask questions about the history of the church and the history of music in the church. And, I, and I, I think this needs to be said, is that what you all do, you're not just grabbing a, a camera and some gear that you bought at Best Buy and going and, and, and you know, say, OK, stand right here and let us shoot this thing that. Uh, you know, that clip, what was that? That was about 35, 45 seconds, something like that. That the amount of effort, well, you tell us, how much time went into that 45-second clip? From yeah, walk a, from, us through that one. Yeah. How much time is invested in that? And then I want you, because this is going to segue into a, another part that we're going to do here. How much time went into creating that clip? And then how much money went in? How much resources, people resources and financial resources went into just that 45 second clip that we saw? Yeah. Um, so the lighting setup definitely took a while. Um, me and my cinematographer, Marcus Kyle, um, we, we spent a couple hours. I want to say about, was it maybe two, if not two and a half hours, more. you know, yeah, detailing, uh, making sure that the lighting was perfect, making sure that this shot was going to be uh, incredible. Um, so then, you know, all the time of setting up the shot and then the interviewee comes in and they sit down and it's making them comfortable. And, and so we're talking for at least 30 minutes and that part, section actually came near the end of the conversation. Um, mm -hmm. But even before that, it's days of production. We had that day, we had about eight or nine people on set. Everyone needs to be fed. Everyone needs to, to know what their role is and, and com communicating well. Um, it's a lot of work. Filmmaking takes a lot of work. And even before we got to that day, and I think we shot that in November, we had been working on the project for about eight months before that. So everything 
that we do behind the scenes leads up to that moment when we actually say action and we start rolling. Now, when, when you say cut, are you done? How, how much time goes into producing that clip after the camera is turned off? Because I know that, and, and this is the reason that I'm asking this, is because what we just saw was exceptionally crisp, clear, professional. It, it, was, it was just exceptional in that little clip. And, and most of us in our local churches, when we want to put something out, our stuff doesn't look like that, right? We're, we're taking a cell phone and we're going to say, okay, we're going to shoot this and then we're going to put this up on the YouTube channel or we're going to put this in the middle of our church service. I, I, I want, you know, and, and, and so what we often hand to the world, expecting them to be falling hand over foot in love with what we're talking about, part of what we're talking about has to do with a part of people's willingness to to even listen to what we're talking about has a whole lot to do with how we present it to them. Um, now, that's not to, dis- to dissuade any, anybody from understanding that the Holy Ghost can take something and turn it into, you know, whatever, right? He can take water and turn it into wine. But Come when on. we put yeah. our best foot forward, this is kind of what that looks like. And I want to make sure that our audience today gets a good grasp of what it takes in order to do that. So you shot the clip, uh, you prepped the clip, you prepped the environment, prepped the lights, all that. Then you shot it. And then after that was done, time-wise, about how much in the post-production time-wise that went into that 30 seconds, that 45 seconds. One of the things that is very, very important that Rafiq mentioned is the pre-production, is preparing for the interview. So it's, it's the questions that are to be answered. It's booking the talent. And, of course, when you have people like the talent that we have, um, Ja'Kalen Carr and Darlene McCoy and people who are very busy, then we have to get on the phone with their representation, schedule a time for them to be there, and then we have to be ready when they get there. And so we uh, set up the, as as Rafiq mentioned, there's a lot of setup, a lot of cameras uh, and crew. And then when we're done, we have to break down. So there's another two hours to break down after we say cut and the talent is gone. We still have crew to break down all the equipment. And then we take all of that content and we organize the footage into um, structures, structured um, <clears throat> materials, structured bins. And then we go through a, a post-production process where we extract the voice of the talent that lines up to the film. And that's where we're just about finished with that part of the project. And it's, uh, it's quite a bit of effort. And it d- takes a lot of organization. Man, I, I just felt spanked. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he just exposed us at the PRT. I want you to know that. Hey, listen, hey, listen, I'm Raj, thinking about I was the... talking. To, I'm trying to. I was trying to adjust my lighting. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm thinking about the, the aspects of you, you had to, to, to master the, you know, cut the, uh, separate the audio, master the audio, mix the audio, yet color grade the film, uh-huh. do, you know, all of that stuff and the That's time cool. that, ta- you know, puts, and, and, I, and I know that most of our audience has no clue what color grading means, you know, all that kind of stuff. However, those are things that, that these guys are putting into this project to make it professional and to put it beyond just the ordinary pedestrian stuff to make it exceptional. Um, 
and 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 we just we we appreciate just from these little clips. Uh, I, we appreciate the time and the effort and the energy that you're putting into this. And and does this, Rogers? Does this take me to that next question? Was was this a good segue? Yeah, that, that's a good segue. You actually you asked the question about uh, the money. You know, yeah. so I I know a preacher that says uh, the gospel is free, but ministry costs. <laughs> So, so this is ministry. Uh, you know, you asked the question, what did, what did it take in terms of that kind of resource? Um, Joe, when we talked, you talked a little bit about uh, crowdfunding. Found, found, um, and uh, talk a little bit about that aspect of it. Because a, a lot of people think, as, as Pastor Paul said, you just get a camera, turn it on, turn it off, and boom, you have something. But there's more to it than that. And funding takes a lot of, uh, has a lot to do with it. Absolutely. Um, so this project um, has taken um, a number of turns um, as independent filmmakers, meaning that there's no one to write a big check at the beginning of the project. Um, we have to very carefully strategize how, the money that we have. Sometimes it takes uh, an investment of our personal funds to get things started. Um, that's typically when you talk about independent filmmaking, it's the individuals who are investing um, and, you know, having skin in the game to get things started. Mm -hmm. So um, we were fortunate to work with, I was, I was, I, I consider myself very fortunate to work with Rafiq and the team, uh, especially with the resources that SCAD that are available there too. And of course our own our production companies, putting up our own equipment, putting up costs to get things started. And then from there, we had to create a budget and um, get uh, what we called fiscally uh, a fiscal sponsor which the fiscal sponsor says, okay, anyone contributing to the project um, can uh, get a tax deduction on that donation. And so we created a uh, partnership for fiscal sponsorship. And then we did a, uh, a one-day um, raise campaign, which um, the first Tuesday in every December is called Giving Tuesday. And Giving Tuesday is a nationally known opportunity for uh, people to give to any nonprofit. And so by God's grace, we raised uh, almost about $5,000 on Giving Tuesday as part of our kickoff campaign. And then we raised the additional funds in our crowdfunding campaign that ended um, in the uh, last week of January. So we were able to raise enough money to continue the project and pay for the production costs. Okay. Mm, awesome. So how much money has the um, General Conference put into this project at this point? <laughs> or, or can you divulge that? <laughs> Well, we, uh, I have to say none thus far. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm, this, is, this is on the black church. I'm sorry. How, how much has the Office of Regional uh, Conference, uh, the, the black conference, how, how much have they put into this far? Because if, if we can match that, we, we'd love to uh, work on. So what, what's, what's the, would, what, we, number, what figure are we looking at? We, we would love to reach out, and uh, that, that opportunity is still there. I'll just put it that way. Door is not closed. Uh, okay, so, so so you you haven't received any funding at this point from um, any of the organized church structures yet for for this. No, I I found uh, Pastor Wade, um, you know, nailed it right there. You know, when with his first comment, you know, um, I, I have a long history with the Adventist Church. Uh, I'll, I'll save I'll save all of it, but I was. When I was president of the Northeastern Academy Alumni Association in New York, I realized at that time um, that independent ministry 
does have to show an initial effort um, in order for any organized um, uh, organization to come in. And I think what we want to do here is to prove uh, that we are capable, number one, that we are fiscally responsible. And then that allows us to say, hey, look, you see what we can do as an independent uh, self-sustaining ministry. What can you do now to support us? And so I think this is a good time to segue into that. We are looking at a possible phase three of fundraising uh, for the series. And we're very, very open to talking to um, other uh, individuals, donors who are interested in, and like what we're doing to contribute to this. And we, uh, they can go to our website, www.letthechurchsay.com, and uh, get information about contributing if they would like. And, and I, think, I think that's the key. I think a lot, of, a lot of us want the church structure to give money, but, but the structure really is made up of people. And trust me, the yeah. people that sit in our pews, they got some dollars but they're looking for the right project to get into. And, and sometimes the good projects are not brought before them. And so that's one of the reasons we were excited to bring this project to, to, to the forefront, especially on the Pastors' Roundtable. Um, God has blessed the Pastors' Roundtable to have uh, some kind of influence around the, the church structure. And um, we're hoping that we can partner with you to, to bring something, um, bring if, if not dollars, some notoriety and some opportunities that we, we do not know of because we serve a God that, that owns the cattle of the thousand hills. That's what they like to say. That's right. So we, we're excited about what you're doing and wanted to make sure that we, understand, we, we get our viewers get an understanding that this is not something that is just happening happenstance. There is, there is some dollars that needs to be put in there. There's some work that's mm -hmm. happening. And, and we want to make sure that that is clearly articulated. Yeah. And I, I think that speaks to the, the power of the individual. Um, I, I, would, I think it's important to also mention we did get um, individual pastors who believed in, you know, me as a person believed in Joe who contributed. But I think sometimes people believe that it's the big organization that's going to fund everything. And it's, it's not the case. It's, it's the individuals. It's people like us who, who see a dream and want to help bring it to reality. All right. I want to make sure we got that. Is that, that, did we get that address correct up there on the screen? Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. And so when people go to that website, they will find out, tell us what they're going to find when they, when they tag in that, put in that address. <clears throat> So that website, uh, letthechurch.com, uh, points to our fiscal sponsor, which is a uh, very reputable major film organization called Film Independent, based in California. And Film Independent, which I'm a member of as a filmmaker, uh, I vote uh, on the films that are nominated for the uh, Spirit, Independent Spirit Awards, which is a uh, independent uh, filmmaking organization. Um, what they've done is they allow us to uh, work with their fiscal sponsorship to create our uh, page. And that page allows them to get information about the film. They can see the uh, teaser trailer and the fundraising campaign um, video. And then also they can um, donate directly through the website. And then they would get a, a, a tax, uh, a tax deductible um, receipt from that organization. And then the funds then come to us to use in production. 
And of course, it's uh, very important to make sure that people who donate uh, know that they are donating through an organization that handles the finances properly. And that when it comes to us, those funds will be used properly for our budget, which is very small. We don't have a big budget, uh, but we do want to make sure we handle our business in decency and in order. All right. Well, listen, I got to ask this, too. So in order to get done, to finish this project and to do everything that that, you know, the, the vision that you have for this project, how much do you need? How much do you have left that you that you let, let me not say it like that. Let me say it like this. How much would you like to raise in the next month? Let's go with that. So the month of March, when March is done, what would you like to have raised for the month of March? Well, I would like to, um, I'll throw out the number there because we just completed our fundraise and we would like to actually come back and do that again and raise a potentially another $10,000 through our partnership with Film Independent. Uh, okay. So we, were, uh, we've, we've, we felt that this first campaign allowed people to understand what we're doing and understand the quality of the product um, that we're do- uh, that's being put out, as you mentioned. And then we can come back and say, now that we've completed uh, phase two, phase three is to raise the additional $10,000 so that we can now get the project out to film festivals. It's very important to um, partner with film festivals around the country and let the awareness grow and also um, conduct any other uh, interviews or expanding to the larger series that we have in mind as well. Wow, well, that's a blessing. I thought you were going to throw some big figures out there. You only threw $10,000. Dr. Henry, go ahead and write them that check, man. I know you're listening. <laughs> no, who do I write it to? Who, who do I write it to, man? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I, I, I tell you, um, this, this program definitely has been inspirational. Um, it's, it's letting us know that, you know, we, we do have some creative ideas, and these ideas are going to go far to motivate people to be involved in, in the gospel. And I, my heart goes out to um, those who are, you know, in the valley of indecision. They, they just don't know, you know, if the church is relevant. My heart goes out to them. But I believe by this project is going to expose the church, but then it will also motivate people. Let's do more so that we can be a church that speaks to societal issues. Let the church say, I love it. <laughs> I, have, I have to be honest, when I first saw the title, I, I just quickly went to the song that Andrew Krauss did. But, but you explained it so well that it's not about uh, saying amen. It's about letting the church talk, letting the church speak. And, um, and being young adults, yourselves, it was seeing the church of today speaking. I Trust me, I have been impressed. Um, I am going to do what I can. I think here at the Pastors Roundtable, we're going to keep your, your um, website in front of us. We're going to keep talking it up. We're going to share um, with others. I want to see this project happen, and I want to see us, maybe there are members, there are viewers inside of our, who are watching today who want to see this project come to their local church, maybe come to their city, And so we're going to challenge them to get in contact with you to help you make this a reality. Um, And and even if it's just, even if you can come and talk to other young people, I think that's another opportunity you will have to, to impact the black church is to share your story on how you brought, let the church, uh, let the church Come, um, become a reality in people's lives because that, that is truly inspirational. Yeah. 
Listen, I, I, I sit here, and this is the first time that I've met uh, both of you gentlemen, and I just have to say this. I love your spirit. I, I love your vision. I love your passion for what you're doing. Um, there's a, there's a, a confidence and yet a humility about you that I think um, will take you a very, very long ways. And I just want to encourage you um, and motivate you to, to keep on. And, and we're going to, personally, I will visit, visit that site and make sure that I can drop something that will help you towards realizing your vision for that. And so thank you so much. And I want to encourage all of our viewers, my co-hosts, to, to do the same. Definitely. Um, because we want to make sure that, that our young people and the people in our church who have these ideas and who have these visions, that they have the support of the family. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for having right. us on. Our pleasure. Listen, our pleasure. listen, gentlemen, I want to know what's on our program next week. Ah. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> We had a long conversation, and you know this is our 23rd episode of our season two. Is it 23 so, already? Yes, sir. So Y'all yes, been sir. having meetings without me. Y'all been counting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we have we are we are going to announce that this is our our season finale. Uh, and we're just so glad to have Let the Church be the season finale. Isn't that something interesting? Oh, wow. uh, we have a season finale. <laughs> And uh, we're going to take a break, but we are planning to be back here the second weekend in April. The second weekend in April, we'll begin our brand new season, season three of the Pastor's Roundtable.